Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Hour number two coming your way. Cougar Sports Saturday, off season edition. So, BYU basketball is off to a great start. 18th in the country. Had a little setback last Saturday against Utah. I thought they would win by double digits. I wasn't even close. That was, uh, I was surprised by that result. I'm not going to lie, Mitch. I mentioned it on Cougar Tracks. Matt, you were trying to silence me last week. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I've seen far too many games in the Huntsman Center, Matt. History says BYU always nosedives in shooting at the Huntsman Center. Always. And honestly, for Utah, that was a critical win because BYU doesn't beat Utah teams that are worth their weight in salt. Like they don't go to they don't beat teams, Utah teams in the Hub Center that are uh teams that don't go to the or that go to the postseason. So Utah will probably be a postseason team that Utah's a good team. They're the tallest team in college basketball, for goodness sake. And and the fact that BYU still, despite their injuries, had a chance to still kind of win that game late. You would have liked to see the shot up, but I, I just that's the Huntsman Center for you. Like BYU just never done well there. Just yep. never do. I uh, I was wrong, dead wrong. But one thing that was interesting this past week in the world of college basketball is this NCAA transfer rule lawsuit. So let's pare it down to uh, brass tacks and easy uh, easy English. Basically, there's a, a uh, the NCAA had a lawsuit against them regarding two time transfers, and they lost that lawsuit. That is allowing a two-time transfer, which BOU has one of these, in Marcus Adams, who started at Kansas, transferred to Gonzaga for a hot minute, and then transferred down to BYU. So what do we know about this transfer rule? Initially, the NCAA said that if anyone played during that two-week window and then the ruling was reversed, they'd lose a year of eligibility. I think that's been backtracked now to where if you play – and it does get reversed, it's fine. It's not It's not going to be penalized against you. What have I missed on this NCAA lawsuit? No, you pretty much covered it. The The latest piece that came out yesterday afternoon, the NCAA says multiple-time transfers are able to play the rest of the winter season and entire spring season, so baseball athletes can fall under this too, without any sort of potential penalty or retroactively vacating wins, things like that. Like They can play. For this one academic year, these two-time transfers are cleared, in the go, ready to play. So that means teams like West Virginia, who we were talking about, BYU, they can now play their guys that were expected to never play this season. They were now going to be green-lighted to play. So that means Marcus Adams, that heralded transfer, top 50 recruit from Narbonne High School in Southern California, averaged 28 points per game his final season of prep basketball. He can play, and he's suddenly an in-season addition for BYU Hoops. Now, these things have happened in the past where you get a mid-season acquisition. I remember back in the day when Trent Whiting was a mid-December 
addition after the semester ended. He joined the team late, and then BYU went on a big run that year in 2001. These sort of things have happened where you get some new addition mid-year, but for BYU, a team that's already really good, 9-1 and one to start the year, you could add a player like Marcus Adams, so that'd be a nice luxury. And I remember talking to Cody Feger in the preseason and training camp about Marcus Adams, and he was so excited about Adams' potential, but he was also more excited because if they did get the waiver at that time, this was October when we had this conversation, but he was like, I, I wish that you know some of the guys last year's team could have been in the spot like Marcus Adams where there's no rush to put him into the fire because they know who their top guys are. This notion that Marcus Adams is going to roll in and make BYU a Final Four team, eh, I'd pump the brakes a little bit there uh, because I don't think that's the case. But I do think this is a guy that is a Big 12 talent. That's why they got him. I mean, he came on our show moments after he committed to BYU and said, Mark Pope told me, you're a Big 12 guy. We need more Big 12 guys in this program. He's got that ability. He's got NBA potential. I mean, I remember the uh, LA, uh, gosh, the... LA Times. They said that he might be one of the best, uh, you know, NBA prospects to come through the prep circuit in the Southern California ranks uh, in a few years. So that's some top end basketball down in Southern California. So Marcus Adams is a heck of a talent, but you got to ease him in uh, to work him in. And this is a perfect time too, Matt, because in non conference play, BYU's playing some light opponents where you should be blowing the doors off these teams. He should be able to get some run. Yeah, here's the thing. Marcus Adams, I think, has the highest ceiling by far of anyone in the program. I, uh, he's got that ability. He's got the measurable six foot eight. He has not played a college basketball game yet in his career, and I just have a hard time seeing, barring injury, knock on wood, which you don't want to see because this BU basketball team has already fought through a lot of injury. They're still fighting through injury with Foose out for who knows how long. I just think it is incredibly unrealistic, and I think it's potentially harmful to the cohesiveness of the team to just assume we're going to plug this dude in and he's going to be a mainstay in the rotation. This rotation right now is working very well, and you still have to work work in two guys. Uh, if, if Foose returns at some point, and there's no indication that he's out for the year, it's day-to-day, and that day-to-day could last for months, but we haven't been told he's done. So Foose is going to come back at some point. He's getting worked in because you need his physicality. And then Dawson Baker, I think there's always room for someone who can shoot it. And quite frankly, Mitch, in my in my eyes, from what I've seen this year, Trey Stewart's had some moments, but he has not been consistent. Dawson Baker could very well beat him out and be yes. a rotation player at guard. Now, the same can be said for Marcus Adams at forward, but it's got to be earned. There's just there's a lot of guys playing right now that are playing well. And so it is nice that you have the the option to do so, but I don't think it is I don't think it's a slam dunk that you just say, "Okay, here you go, 20 minutes for yours." Yeah. Like who's 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 losing the 20 minutes? Like if Marcus Adams can carve out a role and beat somebody out, then great. That's awesome for BYU basketball. But to your point, and it's a good one, this team, you know, they don't need Marcus Adams this year to maybe get to the NCAA tournament. If he can find a role and he fits in and it all works, I'm all for it. But you have to be super protective of what you have going on right now because you're this, this team is playing with great cohesion. 
great chemistry. Chemistry is such an underrated thing in basketball, Mitch. Teams at BOU that have had it, Jimmer's team, Mark Pope's first team with Yoli and Jake Toulson and TJ Oz, when you have chemistry, you can have inferior talented players that beat other teams, especially in college basketball. We've seen it time and time again in the NCAA tournament. It's not all about talent. In the NBA, it's very different. Like You've got to have tremendous top-end talent to win in the NBA. That's not the case. In college basketball, you can overcome top in talent with great cohesion and great chemistry, which this team has. So that is the priority. And if Marcus Adams, who got that waiver, can fit in, great. Now, next year, it's a very different conversation next year. Next year, you work Marcus Adams in. He has a large role. He's probably a starter. I'm just talking this year. Like In a way, it's almost like sort of a bad thing because then... I just hope they don't succumb to the pressure of we've got to work him in. Well, I hope that it it becomes a positive thing because I always think back to years ago, I think it was Bronco Mendenhall who said this, where whenever you get a transfer, you hope that they can instantly play right away because especially if they don't have familiarity with BYU because you can get a, a case of homesickness and you're like, I want to go home. Where he gets to experience BYU as an actual player this year when he wasn't expecting to do that. And then he goes... I want more of this next year because you look at the roster this year, you're going to have Spencer Johnson, Noah Waterman, Trading Christensen, Jackson Robinson. They're all seniors. If they all move on, that's four spots moving on. And then you're going to bring in Colin Chandler, a dynamic athlete who's like you know Marcus Adams, a top 50 recruit. And you're piecing together these options, these players that have high potential, high ceilings for BYU basketball. I just think that it's a nice luxury for BYU to have Marcus Adams eased into into this rotation. I think he's going to earn minutes. I think he's going to find a way to play. Uh, but you know, he's a young kid. He's he reclassified. You know, he was supposed to be a guy that was in high school this year. He reclassified to the twenty twenty four class. So he's young. He's a seventeen year old, and that was evident by the moves where he's bounced from Kansas to Gonzaga, and then he ends up in BYU. And his deal is, you know, his waiver wasn't necessarily two time transfers. It was. He enrolled after the trade or not the trade uh, the transfer portal deadline, so uh, he wasn't expected to you know play this year barring a waiver. And now he's got that waiver through the court system, and that whole court deal was inspired by West Virginia. West Virginia was ticked that Raekwon Battle was not able and granted to play by the NCAA. But then you're seeing over at Cincinnati, Aziz Bandango, a two-time transfer, he's getting cleared. The NCAA is a joke. No yeah. one has sympathy for them. So you get take take them to the legal system. They're going to lose every time now. And that's being proven in the, in the court of law where, please invite these, these lawsuits to the NCAA because they will be defeated. And so now it's, it's an opportunity for Marcus Adams to play right away. And I think that he will find minutes and – but I just think that I don't think it's 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 imperative that he suddenly gets vaulted to the starting five no. or anything like that. I, I think that they're going to work him in. I, I don't think Mark Pope. I think Mark Pope's being realistic about it. He understands the dynamic, even coming into the year, like that first practice at training camp when everyone in the media was wanting to talk about Marcus Adams. It's like you know they were the coach assistant coaches are like hey, you know like we're working him in, but he's he's banged up. He was dealing with an ankle injury that, that back then in training camp. Like they're they're putting realistic expectations. They knew their core coming out of that foreign trip. You're not going to kill the good vibes for a freshman, but if he can earn his minutes, he's going to. And Dawson Baker, I think, is someone that can really reshake the rotation because I think he's got the potential to be one of the best players in the program. That's the ceiling for Dawson Baker. So I, I really like. 
the options because BYU needs it because they are a banged up group right now. That's and that's where I love this the most though is it adds depth for injury insurance because yes. Yes. I don't think you'd take away Atiki's minutes right now. I don't think you take away Waterman's minutes. But if someone is going through a slump yeah. or someone else gets banged up, you have that option to give him more minutes or. And this is the scenario that would play out the best, is that he's just so lights out, you have to put him on the floor. Right. And, and that would be phenomenal. And if that evolves and he becomes this outstanding, like, bona fide, one-and-done type talent, like some believed he could be when he was in high school, by all means, throw him in the five, baby. Like, let's go. But yep. for right now— But I he's got to earn that. Yeah, you got it's, it's a process. This is a Big 12 program. This is not some afterthought program. Again, I think sometimes Cougar fans undersell— BYU basketball as like a brand and as a as a as an entity. It's like they're a power six conference team now. Like you don't think small time. You're now a a, a a fish in a big pond. Act like you're a big time program. Like you don't just hand the keys to someone. You gotta go earn it. It's a it's a meritocracy. Go out and earn that thing. And if he does, by all means, great. Because that bodes well for BYU because we know the current rotation bunch of talented players that could get to March Madness. And if Marcus Adams evolves and becomes a lights-out player, that's even better where BYU's talking about dreaming big for this season. Let's take a break. On the other side, let's get back to football. I can't believe this. Early signing day coming up this week. We'll get Mitch's thoughts on who's on the radar, any names to keep an eye on for BYU football. Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday here on KSL News Radio. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte with you every single Saturday, noon to three. If you miss any part of the program, download the show on podcast, KSL Sports app, and all podcasting platforms. Signing day coming up. One of my favorite it times really is. of the year. I is love it? signing day. Do you carry as much passion for this one as you did the February signing period when it was that was the thing? Oh no. No, no. I, I miss signing days of old where it was, you know, February signing day. You're waiting on Haloti Nata. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was. Tell us a story from your childhood of signing day. Okay. So, signing day was a day where I got checked out of school. Like, it was a holiday. <laughs> That's amazing. This like, is my great. dad checked me out of school. So, I'd go to the Cougar Club luncheons. With my dad, Lavelle didn't do this much. It was more Gary Crow and brought it in. I'm like, oh yeah, this is the next wave, baby. Like I love Lavelle, but yeah, Crowen's bringing in the recruiting hardcore. Like we're talking recruiting, baby. So I remember 2002. I'm like 14 years old, and Crowen's like on a on crutches. We're eating hoagie yogi in the uh, Cougar Club lunch. <laughs> it's me, my dad, and like 30 other grown men. Was there anyone else your age in the room? No. Like, everyone was at least, you know, 30 <laughs> this is plus. Great. And it was a Q&A session. And I am just peppering Gary Croton with Q&A. Like, I asked him, I said, okay, Scott Young, like, what's kind of the upside? Like, could he flip over to O-line? Like, what do you think about, like, positions? And he's like, yeah, we, we're envisioning him as an offensive lineman, potentially. We're going to start him out at D-line. And then I'm asking about Ben Olsen. I'm asking about, like, kind of player comps. I go, what about 
you know, hello, Tinata, what happened there? And he's, like, talking about it. You know, he's, like, going into details, like, hello, T's mom, really wanted Oregon. Like, it just, we thought we had him. We thought we had him, you know, like, it's stuff like that. It was just, it was an amazing time. Like, recruiting back then was special. And I even remember before, as a young kid, when I was eight years old, I remember it was, like, the 1996 recruiting class. I remember calling up the Deseret News front desk and said, it was the Thursday newspaper, like the day after Wednesday's signing day, because back then there was no internet. I'm like, why didn't you publish the recruiting class? Like, where is it? I'm an eight-year-old kid. <laughs> like, recruiting has just always been... It's I like just, you were born I, with it. I love recruiting. I love it. It's just because I love... This is how... This is where teams are, are winning. Like, this is... When you hoist up that Big 12 championship trophy in Arlington, and Brett Yormark says... Congratulations, Steve Darkusian. Wait, what did he say? <laughs> That's when you win a title is in February. The early signing period, I, I don't like it as much because it doesn't. You don't celebrate it as much because people are busy with Christmas and the consumers just a little bit more distracted. And there's bowl games. There's the NFL. Like it just had its own standalone day in, in the February. Middle, yeah, and it was like you just get this kind of football fix of college football in February. It was awesome. It was the best. Uh, so I hope it goes back to that. I don't think coaches want to because, you know, once you get this signing day done next Wednesday, you can start identifying 2025, 2026, 2027 kids starting at the, the break of the calendar year when you get back from the holiday break. So Maybe you could meet in the middle, though, and have uh, the Wednesday after the national championship signing day. Yeah. See, I feel like they should do it like basketball, where in college basketball you've got, like, the first week of the regular season, you've got that signing day. Colin Chandler signed a few years back. Uh, Brooks Barr this past year, uh, last month. That's, you know, do something like that in football. I always point to midway through fall camp. It's the dog days of, you know, fall camp. You don't want to hear questions about, hey, what's it like being with the boys? Like, no one wants to hear that. Like, let's just get, let's have a, let's have a breakdown of, of recruiting classes and guys that are like Reiner Swanson, tight end from California. He's a BYU guy through and through. Whether Steve Clark's there or not, he's BYU to the bone, man. Let him sign in August and enjoy his time as a BYU Cougar. And then Kalani can come out to us in the meeting and go, yo, you know, we signed Reiner Swanson. What a, what a kid, man. Love that guy. Like, he's. <laughs> He's just BYU through and through, man. I love that kid. Like, I want that. Like, I want that. Give me some of that action. And then the guys that want to wait, they can go till February. I just, I feel like there's got to be some sort of meet in the middle because the college football calendar right now is such a mess where everything is converging right now and there's no real oxygen given to these high school recruits anymore. They don't get any sort of, you know, kind of hype anymore. I wouldn't mind even a, so the high school calendar is what? Mid August, uh, Thanksgiving ish, mm-hmm. a little a little before then. Yeah. Some of these kids, you know, why don't you have a signing day in late June? Yeah, like June is, has always been a big announcement kind of month. What if it's then? Yeah, I think I, I always kind of point to August though because then you're done with the summer camps because the seven on seven circus where guys can climb. You know, we can pile up the offers and really make a name for yourself. But I also there maybe should be an argument to say let them sign whenever. Like, if they're ready two years in advance, let them sign. Like, just do it. I, I Maybe that's where we move to, where the NCAA just says, if you're ready to sign on the dotted line, done. And then you don't have to exert any sort of resources other than, hey, you're doing good. Like, because right now it's still this, you know, kind of games where you got to, 
you know, kind of if you're Kalani and this staff, you've got to make sure that these 17-year-olds and these 18-year-olds are very happy and they're getting the recruiting edits and they're getting all the the praise. Like right now they're in the middle of trying to make sure to solidify Therian Alexander, a cornerback from Georgia who had West Virginia. He's got Georgia Tech on the trail. He's told me that he's locked into BYU, but still, like they got to nail that down. That was about a month ago where he's like, I'm all in BYU through and through, but the hometown Yellow Jackets are really trying to flip him. Uh, you know, if you could get him back in August when he committed and just sign it, then you're you're done. It's over. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's it's, there's a juggling act to all of this, but I I do miss that February signing day. That was just that was an epic day. Like it just it was it was core memories as a child for for me growing up. I loved signing day. And I still do. I'm excited to see what BYU can do though on the recruiting trail. Like there's a kid, Danny Saili, defensive lineman who's committed to Texas Tech, six foot two. 355-pound lineman who's currently committed to Texas Tech, Hutchinson Community College. They're hoping to flip him. He just got uh, an official visit at BYU this past weekend. I love, too, Therian Alexander. He's tweeting out pictures from Swig. Like, how awesome was that? Like, that's so BYU to the core. I love that. I'm like, (laughs) well, most recruits are out there going, probably partying, getting wine and dine, getting all these club seats, BYU. There's Swig, baby. Get, get that endless summer, dog. That thing's good. I'm a Beach Babe uh, kind of Swig person Ooh. myself, but I had a Beach Babe recently. That was sugary, man. That like rocked my stomach. I was like, oh, but you it, it is good. Diet. Though. You can make a diet. That's oh, I the know. key. But I got like a 44, like hardcore. Oh, so man, I went all the hardcore. way. I went to the Holy. max, man. I was like, ooh, it's like her. I'm, I was feeling <laughs> sugary after you throw that. A sugar cookie on top of that. You know me. <laughs> That's great. We better take a break. News traffic and weather coming your way on the other side. It's back. I've been chomping my teeth at this. The top five's coming your way next. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday, a presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. I love this time of day on Saturdays, especially during the off season when the top five becomes a staple every single week at this time. I don't know about you, Mitch, but I, I have been sorely lacking just the, the competitive juices in my life on a weekly basis. You feel the same way? Oh, yes. I am missing that, and it's back, baby. Top five action. Let's get it on. The Cougar Sports Saturday Top 5, sponsored by Economics Partners. Mitch and Matt clash in a weekly battle of BYU sports knowledge. Here's the Top 5. For those of you who are new, because it's been a long time since we've done the Top 5, this is how it works. Producer Nate, fresh off a Bahamas Caribbean cruise, he puts together a list. It could be factual, could be preferential. And myself and Mitch Harper... We take guesses back and forth until someone gets three correct guesses, or in a very rare case, if we run out of time, then producer Nate gets the win. But it's a fun little competition segment that we do around BYU trivia. Welcome back from your cruise, Nate. Yeah, it's good to be back. I mean, look, I'm not going to say it's good to be back. 
it's good to be back on the show, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. necessarily happy to be uh, away from the Bahamas. I can appreciate that. Mitch, on the other hand, has yet to appreciate the turquoise waters of the Caribbean on a cruise. Oh, you can eat. Yeah, it's, I haven't enjoyed that yet. You need to, though. I just see the commercials. Make a commitment sandals. right here now that you will enjoy. You will partake in a cruise at some point in your life. I want to. It sounds amazing, but I'm just afraid of swimming on water. You got to understand, man. I'm afraid no, no of that. No swimming required. Mitch. I'm f- afraid of that Finding Nemo ride at Disneyland. I don't want to go in that submarine. Now, I don't want to go in the I'm water. I'm afraid of that, too, but you don't have to be underwater on a cruise. I just. I need windows, man. I need to look at some industrial yard in a Big 12 city is my my view. That's what I need, baby. All right, Producer Nate, what do we got? Why do I keep calling you Producer Nate? I'm sorry. Nate, oh, no, I'm just going to call you Nate. Yes, Nate. It's fine. Hey, Matt, so you you have been really excited for the top five. Do you know what the number 112 is? The number 112 happens to be... The amount of uh, grams of sugar in a can of Mountain Dew. Really close. 112 <laughs> is the amount of days that have passed since the last time you won the top five. Oh, wow. So, oh, my 112. gosh. It was, you got to go back That's to why... August 26th. Oh, Nate, the, he's just revealed my my secret. I, I launched a website that said, when was the last time Matt Biamonte <laughs> beat Mitch in the top five on dot com? Oh. And it's got a picture of Bronco with that sad view of his face in 2013 before the BYU-Utah game. How oh. many days has it been since Matt oh. beat Mitch in the top five? How many times has it been? Three? Four? Uh, let's see. One, two. Uh, this will be five. So four four times. Mitch is on a four-game winning streak. Four-game winning streak. And I think yeah. it might even, let's see, yeah, four games. But I think it's like he's got six of the last seven or so. so oh, it's, it's, it's been a little bit. But you Jeez. have a chance to get back at it today. Uh, Jackson Robinson scored 28 points in a win over Denver on Wednesday night, and that is tied for the ninth most points off the bench in BYU basketball history. So going back a little bit, since the year 2000, there's been only five other players to score 26 points or more while coming off the bench. So today's top five is to name those five players. So the last five players since 2000 to score at least 26 points off the bench. Ooh, Okay. So Jeez, here we tricky. go. What's the point number again? Twenty six. Twenty six. And these are all recognizable names. These aren't. There's no okay. random player from 2007 or anything like that. These are these are household names. Um, and Matt's going to be starting out. Do we have okay. to give you the year or just the player name? Just the player name. So don't have to say the game. Don't have to say the the year. It's just five player. different players. Five different players. Okay. Yep. And uh, there's there's a few of these players have done it multiple times, but I'll I'll cover those. Okay. Well, since he was in. KSL's building yesterday, Mitch. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Jimmer Fredette. Yep. Oh! Oh, no. I've lost the advantage. What? Jimmer Fredette never scored over 26 coming off the bench. Even in that NCAA tournament game against Texas A&M in Anaheim? Nope. Wow. Man, I saw the guy that beat him out at the uh, BYU Fresno State game. I was so tempted to say, how does it feel to walk around knowing you were starting in front of Jimmer? Yeah. <laughs> ben Murdoch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, how about this? Guy that played in the Jimmer era, Mike Lloyd. Mike Lloyd oh. Jr., that's a good one. Do you do you remember the game? Yes, the NCAA tournament. Yep, it was against Florida, against Florida the, the double overtime game in the NCAA tournament. Yep, 26 points. That's one of my favorite games of all time, honestly, yeah. like that was yeah. that was a fun game. I remember too, Mark Durant 
on that radio call because I went back and listened to the podcast of that after that win and listened to that broadcast. And I remember listening to Mark going because great Mark and I, I feel like I relate to him as far as like the nerves that go into certain venues for BYU. And he's like, Greg, this is just what it's got to be to get that first NCAA win. Because you remember that at that time, BYU hadn't won an NCAA tournament game since 94. Yeah. I mean, it had been forever. And it was like, are you going to get it done? And they got it done, and that was, a, that was an epic win for BYU. It was. And epic chance for a 2-0 lead. Yeah. How about this? Jonathan Tavernari. No, JT. Man, you know what? We should put that on notice because JT he acts on actually <laughs> he's just dropping forty a night. Just he was kidding, not. JT. Love you, man. Let's go with uh, my goodness. The hard thing is is which household names maybe came off the bench at one point in time. I don't think I'm going to say his name anyways because he was a great scorer, but I never think he was a bench player. Tyler Hawes. Not on the I think list. his freshman year he started. Yeah. How about Kyle Collinsworth? No. He nope. just wasn't a good scorer when yeah. he was coming off the bench. He was basically rebounding and He scolded defense. me for getting that chocolate cougar tail. I'm sorry, KC. <laughs> that sugar was good. <laughs> How many so much sugar references on this show today? Let's go with uh Jimmy Balderson. Oh boy. That's a deep cut. No, no Love Jimmy me Balderson. Some Jimmy B. The student section holding up the Canadian flag. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go with, I think, Lee Kumard in early in his career. What no, about? There is, there is another player in that same range. So the Jimmy, Jimmy Balderson, okay. Kumard era. Since I'm up 1 0, give a hand. Um, this guy. Uh, well, not let's, not, let's that, not the one. guy, let's, but yeah, like, let's do another one. Uh, hold on. Let me just get a guess out there quick because yeah. I'm, feeling, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling Matt Carlino. Oh. There we go. There you go. Baylor, okay. right? No, no hints. First game, Baylor? No. Uh, so, two other games, though. He did. He had a 30-point performance against Portland in 2014, and then a 28 performance against Pacific in 2014. Oh, I don't remember those, but he he could that fill it up. I think the Portland one, wasn't that the Bobby Sharp game? Wasn't that the triple right. overtime? Uh, because that was in that weird I phase. I, I was think. on my mission, so I don't know. Okay, I think it was in that weird phase where Carlino got benched and Cusick started. Oh yeah, and Bobby Sharp just ripped him. R- yep, it was like what? And I think Tyler Haas had a forty piece in that game. I, I can't remember. Maybe I'm Jeez. getting it mixed it up. It was weird. Uh, let's see here. Do you want a hint? No, we'll keep, we'll keep going. Okay. Um, how about Elijah Bryant? Another good name, but no, not on this but list. like he was another one of those guys that just pretty much started from the get-go because yeah. he transferred in, sat on the bench, and then next year was in the mix, right? I- I'm going to cut in. I'm going to give one hint. Okay. So uh, two of the remaining three names are players that spent quite a bit of time starting at BYU. Just because you said that. Okay. They spent a lot of time starting. Well, what the heck? Why not? Nick Emery. No, Nick. No, he's not in the records I saw. But Noah I don't know if been scratched. He was. Jeez, no, that, that's that starting element oh. is interesting. I think I can know one. Oh boy, I got to steal this guy from you. I think I know one. One of these guys. This is a good list, by the way. This is a great list. Brandon Davies. How about Charles Abuo? Mm. Good names, but I think you're just missing. Jeez. Uh, how many did any of these guys play for Pope? 
as yes. a head coach. Yes. Okay. Some of these guys played for Pope, huh? Yes, and we'll we'll narrow the window down a little bit. So this player played in uh, the oldest the oldest player played in two thousand three, four, seven. Two thousand three, four, and seven. Yeah, at least these are the three times that he scored over twenty six points off the bench. Two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand seven. That doesn't help me one bit. I, I've got I've got to be honest. It he was money from deep. Just money. Mike Rose. Oh! Let's go! Oh, I just had flashbacks of Gus Johnson. Mike Rose! <laughs> BYU Xavier, right? Yeah, I so, loved him no, back in Xavier the day. was not on this list, but oh. he did have 27 against UNLV in 2007, uh, 26 against SUU in 2003, oh. and then 26 against Santa Clara. His debut, I always remember against Southern Utah, he dropped 24 off the bench. He had eight threes in that. Uh, his college debut. But yeah, gosh, how did I forget Mike Rose? He's the man. I always see him yeah. on Instagram. Got a beautiful life, living like the high life Instagram lifestyle. Love it. Uh, how about Rudy Williams? Oh, that nice. is a good Last year pull. against Utah. Yep, that last year against Utah's pull. one. He had 26, and then he also had 26 against Creighton and 28 oh. against San Francisco, so three times. He was a bucket, man. Like, yeah. I don't... I feel like BYU's gotten a lot better, obviously. I think Rudy was just at a disservice because he arrived so late. Yeah. He then started to get good at the end of the season. It's like, well, season's over. You're not going to the CBI. So, it was, you know, but he he can get a bucket. Yeah. And are we back to Matt? Yeah. Yeah. For the win. It's 2-2. I have failed many times in this position. 112 days, You got two already? I thought you got one. Yeah, he got two. He got Mike yeah, Rose got and Matt Mike Carlino. Rose and, oh, Carlino. Carlino, yes. and Matt Carlino. Gotcha. Two all. Backs against the wall. August 26th. It's a long time ago. <laughs> That's when BYU August was going to bowl games, winning eight games. Jeez. August 20th. Yeah. Hope sprung eternal <laughs> back then in, in August. Since we saw him the other day, what the heck? T.J. Hawes. Okay. All right. This is tough. This is a good list. Only one appearance from this player. One appearance. Didn't come off the bench very often. Was it against a notable opponent, or was it just some random game? Random game. Oh, boy. (laughs) January 27th. Oh, jeez. I'm not going to say the year. Uh, Oh, man. Uh, let's go with Steven Rogers. I love that. That crossed my mind. That's a great pull. This player is coming off an injury. I think that's why he uh, came off the bench. Kyle Davis. Jeez, this is tough. I think he was coming off injury. Jackson Emery. Makes sense. I thought about Jackson Emery, too. We're up. We're getting up against it. We might have to. Are we going to bleed this into two segments? No, absolutely not. We're not bleeding this into two. We're just going to have to start going rapid okay, fire let's go. here in a minute. Do I we're say go- the injury? No, 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 no. Don't tell us the injury. One bit. Okay. Let's go with uh, Chase Fisher. Mm. <laughs> Eric Mika. My against, goodness. It was against Pacific, so you guys are in the right era. Oh, 
Oh boy. Oh no. Oh no. I got it. Oh no. Go ahead, say it. Go I don't ahead. I don't I don't think I, I feel have like it. I got it. Let's go with uh jeez. I don't have it. Ah. This pass is de- it. This Give me the win. De- Jake Toulson, this is depressing. Same team, Yoli Childs. Oh, Yoli Childs. 2019-2020, Yoli. When you said Pacific, I'm like, Yoli! He came off the bench. It's 2018. 2018. Oh, okay. I, I don't remember when he busted, this. When he busted his finger. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yoli, though. I remember yep. that. So, Yoli, 26 against Pacific. Thank you for that hint, or else I would have been going and going. <laughs> I was combing through the, the 2004 roster in my head. It's like, did Trent play it? Come on the bench? Okay, revisit the, the five names again. Yeah, so the five players that have scored over 26 points or more coming off the bench since the year 2000, we have Rudy Williams three times, Yoli Childs once, Michael Lloyd Jr. once, Mike Rose three times, and then Matt Carlino twice. Good list. Great list. That was a great top five. Another painful loss. Compet- when he said Pacific, man. You had it. I had it. I just remember Yoli having some big games there. I think one of them was – I think two of them were off the bench. I think yeah, the following think year so. in 19, yep. he was coming back too. So good stuff, Nate. We got to get to a break on their side. We'll put a bow on hour number two and uh, talk some more BYU basketball coming up here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Great list. Nate Slack. Welcome back from the beautiful Bahamas. Well done. You can follow Nate on X, Nate Slack 5. He's always got some good BYU takes. I'm convinced Nate created the movement of Cougar fans in the upper deck of the Huntsman Center last week. Nate was ahead of the curve back in, I think, September, knowing the the ticket deals. and He, he spread that thing like wildfire, man, and, and Cougar Nation responded with a nice showing at the Huntsman Center. Cougar Nation loves... BYU, obviously, but you know what they also love, maybe even more than BYU, is a sale, a good deal. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Who doesn't love a good deal? I love a good deal. <laughs> I'll talk myself into buying stuff that I don't need if it's on a great sale. Yeah, that, that's my wife, man, to the fullest. <laughs> like, I can appreciate that. Hey, I, I got you this new built shirt. Why? I already have a few of them. Well, it was on the clearance, and it was a good deal. That's you're, it. Sounds like you're describing me. I I, <laughs> I need honestly shopping therapy sometimes. Like I I gotta go minimalist. Yeah, clean out the closet. Yeah, I need to clean out my closet. It's pretty. It's packed with a lot of old stuff. Like I I, I struggle to part ways with some of these old T-shirts. Like, do I really need quest for perfection? <laughs> do I really need the March Madness? t-shirt from 2013 because I was there across the street when Wichita State <laughs> went to the Final Four. Like, why do I need that? <laughs> BYU wasn't even in the NCAA tournament that year. Like, why? I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I always tell myself what makes me hold on to things with some of the clothes is that I kind of want to like let my kids have some throwback day when they get to the 2010s throwback day yeah. at their school. They can really lean into the 2010s or the 2020s. Like, that day will come, you know, when my son is... How many game day t-shirts do you have, though, that you can't let go of? Um, The game day t-shirts, I'm trying to think. I haven't bought really any in the last decade. Uh, my kids have some, but 
I don't have any of those game day shirts anymore. And I think the old ones I I parted ways with. Those things got ripped and <laughs> they became good turn lawn those, mowing shirts. What do you think of the game day tees turned into a blanket? Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good move. I think that's always pretty cool. I had the I had the whiteout t shirt. Remember when they rolled that out? I think it was in two thousand six. They played Utah State. They had an all out whiteout shirt. I remember I turned that in some sort of blanket thing. But yeah, I I have some old BYU football jerseys like the the bib with forty four Rob Morris, Kevin Federick. Hold on to that. That thing is incredible. <laughs> Kevin Federick ninety seven with the the Y on the collar, but then also ninety eight with the black on the collar. You got to be attention to details. I mean, that was always back to school shopping for me as a kid. Hey, Mitch, uh, we're gonna take you to the mall. What store do you want to go to? Fans. Let's yeah, let's go to Fans Pro Image and let's get that new margin hooks. Fresh fourteen, <laughs> baby. <laughs> let's get that fourteen jersey. Oh. That, that's going to exhaust your whole budget, Mitch. 60 bucks. All right, yeah, I'll wear that every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, you want to dress like Mike Empey and be a coach with khaki pants and a BYU polo? Okay, I guess, for a 13-year-old, that's kind of weird. But if you want to. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> Let's take a break on that note. The khaki <laughs> pants. How do you follow that? You don't. No, you don't. Oh. You should look at the portrait in the yearbook. Put it's that, like, on, it's put like that on social media, please. That's Justin stuff, man. We need man. that to be your profile picture on X. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. All right, we'll take the break. News, traffic, and weather coming your way. On the other side, let's, let's check in on some hoops. They're having a good year. Let's get in, into some hoops talk next.